Good morning and welcome to chapel. My name is Anna Yoder and I'm a junior and also serving as assistant or chapel assistant for campus ministries this year. Chapel at Goshen is a time for us to gather together as a community of faith to pray, to sing, to hear God's word, to worship together. We hope that all of you know that you are all welcome in this space. We hope that this will be a place where we can lift our voices in praise to God and give thanks for the beauty and wonder of God's bountiful creation. We hope that this will be a place for comfort and consolation in the midst of sorrow or stress. We hope that this will be a place of, of challenge and inspiration, God's holy breath calling us to new creations. Above all, we hope that in this place, we will come together to experience more deeply the love and grace of God through Jesus Christ. And we now light this lamp as a symbol of God's presence among us. Please pray with me. God, we invite your presence into this space. May our time together bring us renewal and an overwhelming sense of peace in the midst of the new beginnings in this start of a new semester. In your name we pray, amen. Good morning, my name is Tamara Schantz. I'm one of the campus pastors here. And before we continue into our worship service this morning, just a couple of announcements or comments about chapel and how um, we are working this year. First of all, I would like to draw your attention to our banner for the year. Um, over here, it was painted by Andrea Crabel, um, reflecting our theme for the year, Making Peace with God. So hopefully you will all appreciate that as it is a part of our worship space for the coming year. Secondly, just a comment about a change in our chapel length. This year we are ending at 1040 instead of 1030. And part of that reason is that we have heard a lot of feedback from all of you that music is a really important part of worship for you. And we were really struggling when we would have guest speakers or have other speakers that we would want to speak for 20 minutes or so to really have much time for singing and kind of other elements of worship in our time. So we've decided to try a 40 minute length instead. I hope you will be gracious about that and um, that it will be um, helpful and just add to our uh, time of worship together. And finally, we are always um, looking for students to help with leading chapel, being a part of giving planning, insights, whatever it might be that um, goes into the making of chapels. So after the service, we have sign-up sheets outside for things like playing piano, um, helping plan, drama, visual arts, you name it. And so if you can just sign up there if you have any interest or contact myself or Anna at any point and we'd love to hear from you. And I now invite the musicians forward to open us in worship.
morning. My name is Ben Baumgartner, and I'm a sophomore ML. I'll be reading from Ephesians 2, 11 through 22. Bear in mind that at one time the men among you who were Gentiles physically, called the uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcised, all because of a minor operation, had no part in Christ and were excluded from the community of Israel. You were strangers to the covenant and its promise. You were without hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you once were far off, have been, made, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For Christ is our peace, who made both groups into one and broke down the barrier of hostility that keeps us apart. In his own flesh, Christ abolished the law with its commands and ordinances in order to make the two into one new person, thus establishing peace and reconciling us all to God in one body through the cross, which put to death the enmity between us. Christ came and announced the good news of peace to you who were far away and to those who were near. For through Christ, we all have access in one spirit to our God. This means that you are strangers and aliens no longer. No, you are included in God's holy people and are members of the household of God, which is built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, with Christ Jesus as the capstone. In Christ, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in our God. In Christ, you are being built into this temple to become a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. As some of you have come to know by now, I am something of a geek. A nerd. Back in Canada, we would have said browner. Uh, brown noser, perhaps, takes me back to elementary school. Good times. <laughs> so the thing is that I love words. I love new facts. I love trivia. I even love having to struggle with tricky concepts, especially in theology. So I guess I'm in the right place. Studying Greek was probably the most thrilling part of my college experience. I'm not even kidding. I was like the father on the movie My Big Fat Greek Wedding. A word would come up in conversation, and I would eagerly, eagerly jump in, being like, Ooh, did you know that the root of that word comes from this Greek word? And, you know, you get the idea. So I am thrilled this morning that unlocking the meaning and significance of our campus ministry's theme for this year hinges on the interpretation of one tiny little preposition, the word with. So thrilling. So we're going to start with some definitions, hopefully. Is it still there, David? Oh, we'll get there. Excellent. There we go. The word with. I'm not going to read all of these, but a couple of them. With, meaning as a companion of, in the same direction as, in relationship to. This year, we intentionally chose a very broad theme, making peace with God. Are we making peace as a companion of God, in support of God, hired by God? Or perhaps we're making peace in our relationship to God, 
in our understanding of God. We could probably come up with an inexhaustible list exploring what it all means to make peace with God. And we hope that you will join us this year as we continue uh, to consider the many facets of, of this theme and how it invites us to respond in our lives. The scripture from Ephesians that we just heard read is something of a sort of classic peace text. This, Paul is writing to one of the early Christian communities. And like many of the communities that we read about in the New Testament, the people of Ephesus, I think that's how you pronounce it, are made up of two ethnic classes, probably simplified, but we'll stick with that, the Jews and the Gentiles. Without going into too much detail, the basic challenge of the early church was how to build a unified community when essentially the church at that time was really a Jewish sect that was now open to people outside of the Jewish family. In order to be Jewish, there were some very clear practices that needed to be observed in order to be part of a community. Here in Ephesians, Paul writes about the division between the circumcised and the uncircumcised. Paul writes about this division with quite a bit of intensity. The two groups were divided by walls of hostility, by barriers of enmity or hatred. To be honest, it's kind of depressing to th think about how little humanity has changed since the days of the early church. As I read this passage, a whole variety of modern-day examples come to my mind. I consider where we experience division, where we hide from one another behind walls, maybe behind walls of judgment, avoidance, behind barriers of ignorance, where we don't maybe even consider putting energy or effort into getting to know the other on the other side of our walls. Paul tells us that the wonder of the gospel is that Christ is our peace. Christ is our peace. Another little word. In Christ, the Jews and Gentiles are made one. The barriers of hostility are broken down. And in doing so, Jesus reconciled all people to God. In this passage, there is an intimate connection between the division of the people amongst themselves and their separation as a community from God. Our modern Christian view of the relationship between humanity and God is that we are in need of reconciliation with God because of our personal sin, because of turning away from God's will for our lives. And this is one part of what it means to say that Christ is our peace and has reconciled us to God. But Ephesians doesn't let us understand our relationship to God as only a solitary one. In this passage, Christ has made, Christ has made peace for us in our relationship to God only through tearing down the walls of division that exist between the people, between the Jews and the Gentiles, between the Mennonites and the other than Mennonites between the conservatives and liberals, between Americans and the rest of the world, between you fill in the blank. At first glance, when we were considering using this theme, I thought that making peace was an easily divided idea. Two basic definitions of with. With the vertical relationship and with our horizontal relationship. 
But we can't separate out our work of making peace in our relationship to God from our work of making peace with our neighbors, our enemies, with our earth, the earth that we live on. If we believe that Jesus is our starting point, our guide, and the sustainer of our work for peace, then our peacemaking cannot be only about struggling against injustices in the world without tending to our personal relationship with Jesus. Nor can our peacemaking be only about getting saved and making sure that we are individually right with God and ignoring the plight of our neighbors. As President Brenneman said at our opening convocation, the peace of Christ is a holistic calling, not something to be narrowly defined. And so as we go into this year, I invite you to reflect with us on the many ways of seeking to make peace with God. Are there areas of this conversation that seem old to you, you're comfortable in? Kind of, oh, I've heard that before. Are there areas of this conversation where you are pushed a little, challenged, challenged to listen to perspectives that might, maybe you don't agree with? I hope that this year we can offer each other our different perspectives and find ourselves growing in ways that we might not expect. And as we seek after the way of Jesus together, may God hold us in peace. Good morning. My name is Bob Yoder. I'm the other campus pastor. The date was Sunday, August 23rd at about 2.30 in the afternoon, 12 days ago. I thought I was witnessing a modern-day account of the reunion of Jacob and Esau that we read about in Genesis. Jacob and Esau, if you remember, were twins who were eventually separated, and they had some major brotherly squabbles going on. But later in life, after they experienced some life realities, they embraced one another in peace. The squabbling was put aside, and I have no doubt that God was in that moment of peacemaking with Jacob and Esau. Now, back to 12 days ago. The modern-day Jacob and Esau figures were not twins separated only to reunite decades later, but they were two of my brothers who had been on the outs with one another in recent years. My one brother asked my other brother for forgiveness in front of our gathered family of nearly 30 people because of how their outs with one another affected the entire family. He told me that it was important for him that this apology happen in front of all of us. My other brother readily accepted this forgiveness and the two of them rose from their chairs walked to the center, embraced one another, and openly wept, declaring their love for each other. Making peace with God. Both of my brothers, though they have had their various twists and turns in their own life journeys, are deep men of faith, and I have no doubt that God was in that moment of peacemaking. They made peace with one another, and I believe that in that act, they also came to a greater sense of peace with God. It was quite moving for me, the baby brother of eight, to witness this unfold in front of me. However, on that Sunday afternoon 12 days ago, my family did not gather together because of the anticipation of this Jacob and Esau reunion, 
We gathered to lift up my brother in prayer and supports because the next day he was scheduled for surgery to remove a large, fast-growing tumor near the center of his brain. I had the privilege of leading our family in a time of sharing and anointing of my brother and his wife. As a pastor, I'm somewhat trained to keep my emotions back at times, or at least in check, so as to not be a distraction to the work of the Spirit in such sacred spaces. And so when I knelt down to anoint my brother, many emotions started to overcome me, and I wanted to cry out, this isn't fair, this isn't right, I hate this reality. But I refrained at that moment so as to be supportive of my brother, his wife, his three girls, and our family. And so I anointed my brother, reminding him that he is in God's loving care and hands. Making peace with God. Since that afternoon 12 days ago, my brother underwent surgery and came through with flying colors. But then last Friday, one week ago, we learned our greatest fear about that tumor. It was malignant. A form of aggressive brain cancer in which there is no known cure. Making peace with God. In the past seven days, I've been through an array of emotions. The start of a new school year brings with it many new exciting possibilities and realities. And for us in campus ministries, it offers us an opportunity to begin to engage in and lead our campus in our campus ministries theme. And so I've been reflecting quite a bit on our theme of making peace with God. And here is where I'm at at this point on this Friday of September 4th, 2009. Four learnings for you. One, I'm excited about our theme and it really does connect at the core of who I am and what I want to be out in life and in faith. However, I fully know that over the next few months, I will need to come to some point of making peace with the realities of life that I wish I wouldn't be. At this point, I know that I've only scratched the surface of pain and grief and anger that I know that I will need to fully embrace before I can be at peace again. This leads to my second understanding these days. I know that in my own relationship with God, I will need to painfully work out my numbness, my anger, and my grief about the realities of life that is so interconnected with my relationship with God, that vertical relationship. Making peace with God. I confess to you this morning that I will need to make peace with my connection to God. My head knows that God is loving and caring, but my heart is not able to accept that just yet. My heart is crying out, it's not fair, it's not right, I hate this reality. This leads to my third understanding these days. Over the past 12 days, I've had numerous colleagues and friends show and demonstrate their support and care for me. Bill Bourne, my supervisor, prayed for me in his office on the morning of the Monday that I learned of my brother's tumor. Tamara, my campus pastor colleague, has offered a remarkable sense of understanding and willingness to pick up some things to allow me to live into life's realities. I could go on with more people, but for the sake of time this morning, I won't. 
And this leads to my last understanding that I want to share with you today. In my seven years of being part of the Goshen College community, it is definitely in moments like these when I have truly come to appreciate and love being part of GC. Though our campus ministry's theme this year is making peace with God, this is nothing new for GC. I've experienced it as a place that has helped me make peace with God in my own personal relationship, but also an environment that has beautifully challenged me to make peace with God, alongside God, outside of myself. It has better sensitized me to the cries and realities of this world, our local community, the global reality. Making peace with God. I'd like to offer you three simple suggestions that I believe will benefit you as you work at making peace with God. Number one, find yourselves a close group of friends to be accountable to, to be supportive of one another. Perhaps this group will be people that you live with, roommates, floor mates, apartment mates, housemates. Or be part of a small group or Bible study or something like that. Number two, tend to your own spiritual life and your relationship with God. Do personal devotions and set aside time for prayer. Walks in Whitmer's Woods. Be part of a larger worshiping community. Involve yourself in a local congregation. And three, get outside yourself by putting your faith and your convictions into action. Volunteer at a local service agency. Be a mentor at a nearby elementary school. Take advantage of student clubs that seek to engage the realities of this world and better those realities. Break down whatever walls of hostility that are around you. Making peace with God. Blessings to you as you begin a new school year, but I challenge you as you breathe in this theme, allow God's spirit to have its way with you. Invite the spirit to blow over you in ways that make for all kinds of peace. Peace in yourself, with those around you, and throughout the entire world. Thank you, Bob and Tamara. My name is Beverly Lapp, and I teach in the music department. I was asked to share a few words about the hymn we're going to sing next, number 407 in the Blue Hymnal Worship Book. Menno Simons was considered by some to be a, a religious outlaw after he became an Anabaptist in 16th century Europe. He survived to become leader of the group later known as the Mennonites, and his carefully written positions and arguments continue to inform and inspire the church today. This hymn is from a passage of text Menno Simons titled, Reply to False Accusations. He wrote it in 1552. His prose, um, like Paul in the gospel heard earlier, declared Christ to be the Prince of Peace and that we are called to be such a glorious people of God, a church, kingdom, inheritance, body, and possession of peace. Let's sing We Are People of God's Peace using Menno Simon text set to a tune written by another figure of the Reformation, Johann Horn. Why don't we stand to sing? And we will sing the first verse in unison and then 
you are invited to break into parts as you wish for the second and third verses. I invite you now into a time of um, response and reflection. There are pieces of paper scattered up here, back there, um, if the prof can I get out of your way, and in the floor, in the aisles. So this might get a little chaotic, but I invite you to come to a piece of paper and draw or write your, your own prayer for what are you making peace, or how are you making peace with God this year. So, and hopefully we'll use them later in spaces around campus. So I invite you to treat this as a time of prayer. Um, so if you can refrain from talking, that would be great. And if you aren't comfortable coming forward, reflecting silently in the pew is fine as well. And we will have musicians play as we do this.
we're finishing up drawing, that's fine. You can keep, um, keep working. And then we're simply gonna draw our time to a close with um, one last song, number 77, in your green single story. Go in Christ's peace.